Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Mornings with Ron. I'm so glad to have you here with us again. I hope that you've been enjoying our series that we've been doing on passion. You know, I honestly believe that when you do the things that you love, we are at our best. And that's really been evident in the people who have been a part of this series so far. And it really resonates because I think we've uh, almost tripled the amount of listeners who are now listening to the podcast, which is very exciting because people are getting to hear these individuals that are coming to share with you the passion that they have. And uh, we're going to continue doing this for some time because I think that we've actually hit on something. I also wanted to thank everyone who's bought my book so far, Mornings with Ron. Uh, It's been out on Amazon in paperback and Kindle, and it's actually on pre-sale now at Barnes & Noble. I think it's going to be released there on the 14th of May. So if you're not an Amazon shopper, but you're a Barnes & Noble shopper, you have two places that you can actually go out and get it now. And lots of people have been sending me pictures and of them getting the book, and uh, it's been pretty exciting to see it in everyone's hands. So this week, we have a special guest for you. I want to welcome to the podcast, Jan Rigel. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Jan, there's so many things I could have chosen to interview you for. I mean, Jan's a singer, a pharmacist, a pianist, and can do anything that you could possibly do as a person. Except run a marathon. uh, Except for run a marathon. Yeah, well, I'm there with you. That My 5K was about all I could handle. It's really your love and dedication and passion for pet parroting that I wanted to talk to you about today. And But before we get into that, how about telling us a little bit about what you do in your, in your day life? So uh, like you mentioned before, I'm actually a pharmacist by education. And I've actually been in the healthcare pharmacy benefit management part of pharmacy for over 25 years, actually almost 30 years. Although I don't look it at all. I'm just going <laughs> to claim that one. And so I, I really work in the health insurance, PBM industry, really do have a passion for that as well. You know, making sure that my customers are taken care of and all of their members that they choose to ensure are also taken care of. Anybody knows that caring is a big part of your life. And while work is certainly an important part and feeds the stomach for the day job, uh, you've been adopting pets now for some time. And, and some of the pets that you adopt are in the last years of their life. How did you get started with that? It's very interesting. I had a friend a few years back. She and I went to high school together and reconnected. And there was a dog at the Orange County Animal Shelter that she said spoke to her, basically. She saw the picture and she said, I think this dog really belongs with you. And this dog was a senior dog whose family had dumped her and she was already blind in one eye and over 11 years old. But when I saw her picture, just like my friend Stephanie said, it just spoke to me. I wanted to make sure that this dog had a soft place to land for whatever time that she had left. They say that dogs really only remember like the last six months that they, you know, of their memory. And so I wanted her last six months to be of something loving and hoping that somebody would pay that forward for me when I get to the last, you know, part of my life and my twilight years, because I am single with no children. And so that, that sort of thing does weigh on me and worry me. 
So I'm hoping that if I have the right karma with these dogs where I find them needing a soft place to land, that somebody will hold my hand and, uh, as my grandmother used to say, fan the flies out of my face on, on my last days here. We are Southerners, right? Yes, we are, oh, baby. Southern <laughs> <laughs> so um, how many do you have now? So right now I have three dogs. Uh, one of them is a senior and the other two are younger. And my senior boy actually came to me when he was in his, I would say, midlife. His family had evacuated during one of our hurricanes and left him basically chained at the house. <clears throat> my dog walker actually found him and asked if I would take him in for the during the storm because she had cats and she couldn't have the dog in her house. I said, sure, bring him over. It'll just be short term. And then, you know, he can go back home. And he never did. And what and what kinds are they? So um, my old, my mean old man, I call him, is Alfred. And he is a Chihuahua Terrier Mutt Mix. My middle girl, she's my teenager. Her name is Ginger. She is a Golden Doodle. So she's half red poodle, half golden retriever and about 50 pounds. And then my youngest, so he's my puppy, he's just about two years old with another year growing to go, is Jax. And he is a Rottweiler, and he is already at 120 pounds. And that was your first dog was a Rottweiler as well, right? Yes. So I started out um, with Rotties because I had a, a colleague of mine at Medco in New Jersey who bred them. And so I used to dog sit for her when I was living in New Jersey and just fell in love with the breed. I know that you have a specific passion for those particular kinds of dogs. And I think there's a lot of misconception out there that they're mean and dangerous. Uh, can you just dispel that myth a little bit for us? Absolutely. So it is actually not the breed. It is the owner that sets the temperament for the dog. And so Rottweilers have gotten a really bad rap from terrible breeders or terrible owners who have tried to force their aggressive natures in order to make them angry or fight dogs or something like that. They are actually a very, very loving breed. They love their people. They love their kids that um, are in the household with them. Now they do require that you as an owner be responsible and truly be the alpha of your household. And they will follow whatever commands that you have in front of them. Because if you don't, you know, treat those dogs responsibly and really, you know, manage their lives accordingly, you know, anything can go wrong with any animal. But this dog is not, this breed is not predispositioned to be mean or aggressive. You just have to make sure that you do the right things and be responsible pet owner. Yeah, I remember the, I got to actually meet uh, Max at one point. And uh, after Max, there was Nola. When you're not used to being around Rottweilers and you don't really know them because of what you've heard, mm -hmm. you kind of have that fear. And I found them to be very loving. Absolutely. And they actually want to love on you. Every Roddy that I've had, and so Jax is now my third, well, fourth, because um, Nola was a, a Roddy German Shepherd mix. They all want to be 12-pound lap dogs. That's where they, they want to be with their people. They want to lay on you and have you rub their belly. But you're like, baby, you're 120 pounds. Like, you can't be on mommy <laughs> this way. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I find interesting in the is the mix of animals that you put together. So you have these large dogs, and then right next to them, you have a poodle. Mm -hmm. um, I think you had a poodle at one I point, did. right? I did. 
How do you know when you're going to bring a new dog into the mix that the, the, the breeds are going to get along together? When I first meet one that I want to introduce to the pack, I try to check their temperament, um, their level of trust, um, because I pretty much know how my pack that I have at any given time reacts to either new people or new dogs. And so first I test, you know, that temperament and their level of fear and whether or not I think that they could get over that level of fear coming into my house. And then I actually slowly introduce the new dog to my pack and I introduce them one at a time. And I usually introduce them at some place neutral that's outside of the house. So there's not any kind of territorial things. And then I also keep the dogs separate for the first week or so that they're in the house so they can get used to each other, get used to each other's smells, get used to each other's temperaments. And I spend a lot of time with socializing them one at a time with each other so that they can find their place in the pack. I can't determine their place in the pack. I can only determine what my place is and I'm the alpha in any pack that I have. And so they have to kind of work out, okay, mom's number one. So who's going to be number two, three, four, five, six, however many that I have at any one time. And I, I let them find that space and I let them find that space in a safe environment. And we just go from there. You know, I never really thought about that, but I guess if you bring an animal to the house and you allow the animal to be in control, then they're going to be. That's right. right. That is correct. Yeah. And then if you if you let them know who's boss, I guess, from the beginning, and then you kind of guide them in how they're supposed to act, I would think from their just their intelligence level, they're going to pick up on that. Absolutely. And the thing about dogs is that they always want to please their owner and they especially want to please the alpha. And so if you set that ground rule from the beginning, then it makes for a much more harmonious pack as you go forward. People who don't have animals don't really understand this. I have a cat and, uh, and you have dogs, but animals truly, truly do become a part of our family. Yeah. And as a single woman, what did they bring to your life? So they allow me to actually nurture in a safe environment. So uh, one of the things that I have learned is that these animals, when you bring them into your home and you, you give them a life of safety, they really do just like want to please you and they love you unconditionally. Every time I walk in the door from being away from my dogs, whether it's five minutes or five hours, they look at me as if I am the best thing that ever happened to them. Like, oh my God, mommy's here. Yay, yay, yay. The world is all right. It has allowed me to, I would say, unleash my nurturing spirit that I have in a safe environment. Well, I don't have to worry about someone taking advantage of me, my heart being broken or any of those things. And I, I have a lot of that to give, but I don't always show that side to, I would say, my human uh, friends because I, I'm very protective of myself emotionally and I don't have to have that protection with dogs. And how beautiful and lucky is that for, yes. um, for the animals, right? Yes, yes. And what a life it gives them. You mentioned earlier that um, you work in the PBM industry, and I know that that involves a lot of travel. Mm -hmm. Do you have any special tricks for keeping in touch with your fur babies while you're gone? So uh, one of the things that I 
chose to do is I have a dog nanny. And so, so that's a consistent caretaker that takes care of my dogs in their own home when I travel. And so that gives me peace of mind. And it also makes sure that they don't have to get out of their routine and they don't feel unsafe because now they're not home. And now they're in this strange kennel with other dogs and other noises. And, you know, sometimes they don't always uh, react well to that. And then, of course, my dog nanny lets me FaceTime with my dogs. Yes, I do do that. Uh, and I also awesome. have video <laughs> cameras in their room. So my dogs actually have their own space in my house that's their room where their crates are. So I can tune into them and see kind of what's going on with them when I'm on the road. Given that you have to find someone you not only trust because you got this person coming into your home, right? But also to trust with your animals as well. What in particular do you look for in that kind of person? So I definitely look for someone who has experience with all breeds of animals. So if they have not had experience with big dogs, not had experience with dogs with high energy, uh, or have experience with um, dogs that could be, I say, misconstrued as aggressive, I do not let those people around my dogs. I actually had an experience with a vet when I first relocated back to Florida to take my Rottweiler in at that time, Ben, to have an exam and have his shots done and looking for a place to board. And this was before I got my dog nanny. And when the vet said to me, well, I'm going to have to muzzle him because these dogs are vicious. I politely said, well, you know what? I think we're done here. Uh, mm. Won't be boarding him. And we're going to find someplace else to be. So you have to make sure that the people that are going to be around your animals have the right attitude, that they actually like animals. Because um, there are people that are in this dog nanny kind of dog walking industry that sometimes don't really like dogs. Like they may like cats, but not dogs, but there's more, you know, people that need dog nannies than cat nannies because cats take care of themselves. And so you just have to vet all of that as well. And you have to do background checks on people that you're going to let into your home. I mean, my dog nanny has a key to my house and she has her own code for the security system. So she stays here with them when I travel. And so I have to trust her to not only take care of my animals, but also take care of my home. And so I've actually had her for 13 years now. So I, I have been very blessed with the support that I have in take caring of, uh, taking care of my animals. Yeah, having that peace of mind while you're traveling, I'm sure is uh, an awesome thing. And you know, you're, I would imagine the dog, so as you're, you know, you've traveled for years, and so they're used to you being away and coming back and her coming in and out. And most of us have been quarantined for some time now as we all deal with this COVID situation. Has it caused any change in their behavior, you know, with you being home all the time now instead of being gone like your normal routine? I'm actually surprised at how more clingy that they are now that I've been home all the time. Usually they are wrestling with each other to see who can sit closest to mommy in the home office because she's going to be in here for a while. So I want to be the closest, um, which is not something that we dealt with before because I was in and out of the house so often when I was on the road. So uh, that's been an interesting dynamic. But I think also they have been more settled and relaxed with me being here so often because they don't feel like they have to get in all of my time before they see the suitcase come out. And they're like, oh, there she goes again. 
That's great. They say that pets are very sensitive to things that are going on around us. And I certainly see that with, with our cat. And one thing I, that I've always been curious about, because I, I've seen the reaction of animals, you know, we live in Florida, as you do, and we get these ridiculous storms that come through in the summertime every afternoon. And Mooch could care less. That's our cat's name, Moochie. Moochie could care less when a storm comes through. He just kind of sticks his nose up and just walks on across the floor. But they say with dogs, like they sense those kind of things coming. How, mm-hmm. how do yours react to that? So yeah, luckily, my big boy, Jax, the Rottweiler, he's not afraid of anything. He's just like this big goofball that enjoys life and everything that comes at him. So I've never had that issue with him. My girl, Ginger, who is the golden doodle, same thing, because I raised them both from puppies. And so I've all, they've always felt safe. And so they don't know fear of certain things. Um, but my rescue, Alfred, the one whose family abandoned him during the hurricane, he is the one that reacts the worst to coming storms. So when I first got him, he used to just hide. It was either under my feet, under the covers, like anywhere where he could have like a dark cave and hide from the storm and shake. Now he's gotten to the point where he's defiant with the storms. So when he hears the rain or hears the thunder, he's still scared, but now he barks at it. So I think Uh, we're making some progress. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. You know, this is kind of a crazy question, but I believe, and you tell me if you think, if you believe this or not, but I believe that animals can sense things that we don't see. Mm, I agree. I agree. And I have always thought that, but I happen to be a person that is very spiritual and I believe in this life and the next. And I, you know, remember having what I felt was a visitation from my father when he passed away when I was 15 years old. It was in a dream for me, um, but in the dream, he said things that you know I expected to hear from my dad. And then when I woke up, I kind of smelled that smell from the hospital room, which was the last place that he was before he passed away. So it really kind of solidified my you know belief in um, this life and the life hereafter. And I think because animals don't have some of our human preconceived notions around what you should and should not believe. They just kind of react to the environment. And I happen to be a person that feels that, you know, there are things in this environment that we can't always see, feel, hear, or taste, but it doesn't mean that they are not here. And and I think that, you know, animals really do respond to that. You know, there are some days my, my, I had both my sister and my brother pass away um, in recent years. And on some some days, I feel so overwhelmed by my memories of them and missing them. I feel like my dogs know that. So not only do they come and comfort me, it's almost like they are smelling the air around me because something else is here. And so I always wonder whether or not, you know, my sister is like, you know, trying to comfort me because she's you know, watching from wherever she is, I'm getting a little emotional. And so, and the dogs sense her there because she would always have this really sweet presence for me. Not saying that my sister was sweet because all the women in my family, we are very spicy, 
Um, but she was, she always had a very sweet disposition with me. And it was a part of her that she didn't necessarily share with the rest of the world. I think one of the beautiful things about, um, you know, believing that, and I absolutely agree with you, is that when we do lose our animals, those who went before us that are on the other side get to see them and spend time with them. And I fully believe that their spirit, you know, lives on just like our spirits do. And you mentioned earlier that you take in animals later in life and Mm -hmm. end of life is one of the things I worry about most of course with my cat, because no one looks forward to that. Now you've had to go through that several times. How do you deal with the the frequent loss? For me, um, I'm trying to get the right words to explain it. I think, like I said, when we first started out, I feel like I am paying it forward. And so perhaps the universe will reward me with that same kind of um, pay it forward at the end of my own life. Losing an animal, whether or not I've had it a short amount of time or a long amount of time, is always heartbreaking. But what I try not to let it do is cut me off from showing another animal love. And so one of the things that I do because I have both bred animals that are purebred and rescues. So whenever I lose a purebred dog, I try to replace it, my next one, with a rescue animal to give another dog that chance for my love who may have not had any love their entire life. Okay, that that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess now in the world of Facebook, you know, we certainly get our reminders of our pets that we've previously had and yes. when we get those uh, pictures popping up all the time, which I don't know is sometimes a good thing. And, and maybe sometimes not. Not so good. <laughs> it's like Facebook, you're breaking my heart today. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I really needed that today, exactly. right? <laughs> well, let's, I'm going to move into like a series of maybe just some fun questions and we'll get, we'll move off of the serious stuff for a minute. How old were you when you got your first pet? So all of my siblings are way older than me. So my mother actually thought she was going through menopause when she was pregnant with me. So that's, you know, um, with the age difference. So I don't actually remember a time where we did not have a dog in my family. So for my first conscious memory, probably around four or five years old, we had at least two dogs at any given moment uh, in my life. As an adult, I got my first dog myself uh, when I graduated from college. So I'm not going to tell you what year that is, but I was 24 years old when I got my first dog. And uh, I don't think that I have been without one since maybe 1999 or 2000. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do together? Ooh, so that's very interesting. So all of my dogs, I have given them the love of the car ride. And so I love watching them learn about the wind that blows in their face when they get in the car and just watching them transform to first, it's like, oh, that's scary. What is that? To this is the best thing ever. So um, I love taking them on car rides. And I'll never forget my first Roddy that I got in New Jersey. I remember saying to myself, he loves car rides so much. It's time for me to get a convertible. 
And I actually bought a Saab convertible and me and my dog used to ride around on the New Jersey Turnpike, New Jersey Turnpike, the Garden State Parkway with the top down, me with the scarf on blowing out of the you know, back of the car and my Roddy strapped in with his head up over you know, the, the top of the, the doorway and just let his ears blow and his jowls blow. And I'm sure we were the most hilarious sight in the world for the people in New Jersey. It was like your version of Thelma and Louise. It absolutely was. <laughs> I could just picture it down the New Jersey Turnpike. Yes. yes. <laughs> but what is like one of the worst bad habits that one of your pets has? I would say it is twofold. One of it is the love of people food. So one of the things that I have done for almost every dog that I own is I always roast them a chicken on Sundays. And so they would have roast chicken along with their dog food uh, throughout the week. And so every Sunday without fail, that is what happens. The second thing, and I learned early enough in um, my pet owner life, is don't give them toys that look like household items. So shoes, remote controls, clocks, like any of those things, because they don't know the difference. So it only took me once to have a very nice pair of shoes chewed up because the dog didn't know that I couldn't, that he couldn't chew on mommy's shoe because it looks just like the shoe toy. So I uh, think the chewing on household items is the worst habit that I've always had to break a dog of. And what's one of the naughtiest things one of your pets ever done? Huh, let me see. Naughty, naughty, naughty. That's a tough one. I'm trying to think of who was my naughtiest dog. When I know. I, uh, do you know? Ben. So <laughs> my dog, Ben, ate Joe's sandwich. So (laughs) I had brought him to your house and we were having, you know, just an afternoon together with some friends and you and Joe had gone to Subway and bought sandwiches for all of us. And my dog ate Joe's sandwich when nobody was looking in like two bites. (laughs) That was hysterical. (laughs) Absolutely hysterical. I got to tell you this story quick and I can't believe I'm actually telling this, but I was in, uh, I just moved to Montana for the whole month of December back Mm -hmm. in the 80s. I was going to live with my brother until it was like minus 20 the whole month. And I decided that I was coming back to Florida. But um, my brother had a dog at the time and my aunt Gail had gone, had driven out to with me. And we went out and uh, we, we were actually in the house and then we were going out to eat or something. I can't remember. And she had, um, left either in her bedroom floor or in the bathroom, I can't remember which, a box of tampons. Oh. And we, we came back to the house <laughs> and they were torn to shreds across the entire house. I've never seen someone so humiliated in my entire <laughs> life. And I could not stop laughing. It was awesome. Well, she's day. lucky it was the box of unused tampons. <laughs> exactly. Because male dogs do like to go through the garbage for oh, used feminine hygiene products. So she's So there lucky. you go, listeners. Keep those away from the garbage <laughs> and away from right. the pet. <laughs> What is your best memory of your of one of your pets? Oh, let's see. I think it is the like the first senior dog that I adopted. Her name was Lady, and this is the one that I mentioned earlier. My friend Stephanie from high school told me, "I think you need her." 
she had been so shut down at the shelter when I picked her up. She was deaf in one ear, you know, blind in one eye. And when I first brought her home, she was so fragile that I just was afraid that she wasn't going to make it. And she slept for maybe three days straight. She would get up, she would go to the bathroom, she would eat, she would drink some water, and she would go back to sleep. And this was three days straight. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope this isn't like her just last moment. On day four, she started blossoming into this grand dame. Like, okay, I've rested. Now, where are my libations? I'm ready to be served. And didn't you mention I'm supposed to have some sort of bath? And so, you know, we cleaned her up and made her look like a princess. And for the five months that she remained here, she was no longer that fragile sort of tiny dog that I brought in that looked like she was on her last leg. She blossomed into this grand dame. And even on her last day, when um, I sat with her um, at her last moments, she still had that air of thank you, gratitude, and it's now time. She's, she's still on her, in her last moments breathing was just that grand dame that I will never forget. I would say probably that's my, my next question was, what is the most rewarding thing? And I think that's pro- probably answers that question as well, doesn't it? it? It is. It is. And, you know, I know people worry about, you know, the last moments of their pets, but don't leave them alone. You know, don't let them go to that other side without seeing your face because that's what they need. They need to know that you're going to be okay and that you are doing the right thing for them. And so no matter how painful it is for me, I am there talking to them, looking them in their face as they pass over to the Rainbow Bridge is what we we call it in the pet world. And um, just to make sure that they know that everything is okay, because I want somebody to do that for me. Yeah, we have this organization and you may have it um, there as well called Laughs of Love. Mm -hmm. Um, where the vet comes and does it all at your home. And, um, you know, it's as hard as it is. It's, uh, you know, they've had this beautiful life and you've given them this beautiful life in the last years of their life. And Mm -hmm. they've done their work to take care of you. And uh, sometimes it's just time to to, to let them go. Yep. And, And I have to always remember not to be selfish and keep them here for me longer than they, you know, need to be. Don't want them to be in pain and suffering. And they don't want to leave you either. But when they can't walk and they don't have their faculties, it's not a good experience for them. And that's not what you want either. So the last question I would have is, um, what's the hardest thing about being a pet parent? I think the hardest thing is definitely because pets have shorter lifespans than we do it's always going to be difficult to say goodbye. And it's not going to stop me from continuing to be a pet parent. But I will say that saying goodbye is the hardest thing. It's harder than potty training. It's harder than breaking them of chewing on your piano bench, what I had to go through with Jax recently. It's harder than all of that. But it's still so rewarding because your heart is so warmed by everything that they brought to you over the course of their lives. 
Well, the passion that you have for your animals certainly makes them some of the luckiest animals uh, in the world. The fact that you've given love and caring to so many so far, and I know how you take care of them and just make them feel special and they make you feel special and you become a part of each other's life. And it's just an absolutely beautiful thing to watch. Thank you. Oh, that makes me smile today. I always talk about this at the end of my podcast. James Lipton was one of my favorite interviewers from inside the actor's studio. And he used to always ask a series of questions um, of his guests that he was interviewing. And so I have a couple of questions just to ask you okay. uh, before we end here. And my first one is, what is your favorite word Ooh. Hmm. that you can say on a podcast? because <laughs> you, you know where my mind went right <laughs> I kind of felt that <laughs> uh, gratitude and what are you not very good at uh, athleticism and if you could have any superpower what would it be I, I think it would be unlimited resources for me to have as many dogs as I want and if you were a type of food, what would you be? Chicken wings, because it's my favorite. That was easy. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. I love chicken wings. Well, Jan, thank you so much for taking the time to be um, on the podcast today. Um, there's no question that the passion that you have for your animals shines through just in the way you talk about them, the excitement in your voice when you're talking about them. It's just a beautiful thing to hear. Thank you very much. I'm actually honored to be a part of this. So I am very grateful that you chose me uh, to share with your audience. And there you have it. It's another episode of Mornings with Ron. I hope that you've been enjoying this series on passion. It's been so fun to talk to these people who have things in their life that are just so meaningful to them and things that they're willing to share with you. I hope that something that we've said in this podcast is something that you can take and use in your own life as you're navigating your life path. Be back again next week with another guest. Until then, I hope that everyone stays well, stays safe, and remember to be the reason that someone smiles this week. <laughs>